Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Turn your Bibles uh, to Daniel chapter 6. Uh, how many of you guys um, showed up what you thought was early and you're like, I'm on, I'm on time to church for once and then you realize you forgot to set your clock forward? Anybody? You're just not going to admit it. All right. Uh, well, welcome to Canvas Church. We're glad you're here today. Um, we're going to jump into um, a passage today, Daniel 6. And last week we started a series entitled The Bible. And, uh, you know, I'm getting some emails like, do you, are you guys playing off the Bible series? And uh, not really. I mean, all the graphics were free, and so we decided to use them. And, uh, I mean, that's smart, right? Work, work smarter, not harder. And so we thought, you know, let's just talk about some stories in the Bible. One of the things I loved about growing up in church, and many of you didn't have that opportunity or privilege of growing up in the church, and so the things that you hear on Sunday, a lot of it's brand new to you, and that's okay. Others of you didn't grow up in the church, but you heard stories, uh, whether it be through friends talking about it or comments on, a, on another movie, something like that. So you've heard some of these Bible stories. But one of the things we want to do with this series is go back to uh, really some of my favorite Bible stories, some from the old, some from the new. And just talk about them. One of the things I love about growing up in church is when you go to Sunday school and uh, the teacher just brings, you know, a story. And you talk about it and there's not a whole bunch of application points. How many of you got me? How many of you guys grew up going to church and you remember Sunday school? Okay. All right. So half of you and the other half, then this is new and that's awesome. And I want it to be one day where it's new to everybody. Come on. There's so many people getting saved. Um, but you remember back, and it wasn't like there was all these application points you had to write down at the age of seven and try to remember, right? It was just like one thing. You just talked about the story. Here's what the Bible says, and, and here's what it means to you. And I kind of miss those times. And so that's what we're doing through this series leading up to Easter uh, weekend. We're just talking about some Bible stories. Last week we talked about Noah's Ark. How many of you guys watched the Bible uh, movie last week? It was, yeah, okay, so how that opening scene of Noah, I thought was just, it just epic. It was like my favorite part of the whole two hours. I could have just watched that first five minutes. I thought it was awesome. So Noah uh, and his ark was one of my favorite stories growing up, and so we talked about that last week, and I think many of you saw that story in a whole new light, maybe got some things from it you never saw before. Well, today I want to talk to you about another one of my favorites, and it's Daniel in the lion's den. How many of you guys have heard of Daniel in the lion's den, all right? Okay, even those of you who didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of, of something about Daniel in the lion's den. Pretty cool story. Um, God, God uses Daniel in some awesome ways. But what we're going to see today, I believe, as we go through Daniel, is once again what we saw last week, that the story of Daniel is probably vastly different um, than what you remember it as or, or what it was told to you as. Uh, because if we go back to our childhood memories or our friends talking about it, if we didn't grow up in church, and, and we go back to that story, here's what we think. If we can pull up that first picture. Uh, we think of Daniel in the lion's den, and, and this is kind of what comes to mind, right? We think of, uh, we think of Daniel, and, and he was just, I don't know why Daniel's bigger than the lions, but, you know. <laughs> He was just, you know, big dude, got thrown in, and, and he, you know, the lions were just purring on his lap, okay? And so that would be our image of Daniel and the lions, and that, that somehow, and, and you know, there's, there's myths out there that King Darius drugged the lions, and so they were like sleeping or, uh, you know, something like that. No, uh, we're going to see in the story that an angel had to come and shut the mouth of the lions because the lions wanted to eat Daniel, okay? So I don't think this is probably what was taking place in Daniel in the lions. Uh, or we see another one. Go to this next picture here. 
Oh, we see, you know, he's petting the kitty's head, you know? See that? And, uh, and that he was this young, strapping, buff person that probably looked a lot like me. And he was thrown in there, and the, and the, the lions just all pranced around with smiles on their faces, right? And, you know, and then one just fell asleep at his feet, and then this one had an itch, and so he scratched it. And, and that's what we think of when we think of Daniel in the lion's den. We think that he was just this young dude, got thrown in, and just chilled with the lions, and somehow he was good friends uh, with King Darius. They knew each other, and that's why the king wanted to try to rescue him, because they were buddies, and the king was mad because he got tricked, and Daniel was sad and was just kind of stuck in the middle, and Daniel thought, you know what, well, I'm going to, I'm not only going to, I've heard this told this way too, that Daniel, you know, he would pray every day, but after, you know, this whole scheme got set up, that he went and he prayed three days, or three times a day. He prayed more. And then not only that, he did it by the window so everybody could see him. Like he was just, you know what, forget you people, watch what I'm going to do, right? And this is the story of, of Daniel and the lines. And then Daniel gets thrown in there, and, and the king's sad. And, and Daniel, you know, he, he cuddles up with the lions and keeps himself warm. And the next day, everybody parties, okay? And then we tell our kids, the moral of the story is love Jesus, and you can have a lion as a pet. I don't know. Like, just, you know, love Jesus, and you too can have one of those, Okay? But there's so much more to the story, and I want us to look at it today. Daniel chapter 6, I'm reading out of the ESV, and we're going to read the whole entire chapter, and then we're going to just talk about it. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Daniel 6, if you've got your iPhones, your iPads, whatever it is, and uh, we're going to read the whole entire chapter. As you're turning there, I want to read to you 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, one of my favorite verses says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith not by sight. And I believe as we looked at Noah last week and we saw the faith of Noah that it stirred your faith. And I believe as we look at Daniel today out of Daniel 6, uh, I'm praying that it stirs your faith once again uh, to live for God like never before. Daniel 6 verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. These would be like governors, governing officials. To be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three presidents. So you got King Darius, then you got three, like, maybe like more like vice presidents or vice kings, however you want to look at that. And then you have 120 governors, and together they're going to, to, to bring rule over this massive area. Of whom Daniel was one. He was one of the presidents. He was one of the three. To whom these satraps would give an account. So that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other presidents and satraps because of an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. Did you catch that? They sought, they looked, 120 of the brightest minds of the time, 120 people that had leadership on their life, 120 people whom the king appointed. I mean, these people were smart. These people had other people under them. These were some of the brightest minds of the time. And they sought, and they could find no complaint or fault because Daniel was faithful. This ain't just one investigator looking into his life, trying to find something wrong. 
This is a whole crew of people investigating every angle of Daniel's life, and he has no fault because he was faithful. And no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. In other words, he serves God all the time. He's madly in love with God. Everything he does points to God. His whole lifestyle, everything he's involved in, it points to God. So here's what we need to do. We need to set something up so that it's illegal for him to do what he's doing. Because that's the only way we're going to get him. Verse 6. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the, benef- uh, the, uh, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction. They brought a lie. That whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction. And sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction because he was under the understanding that everyone was in agreement. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Notice, this is not something he did because of the hard time that just came. This is something he did all the time, and in the face of injustice, in the face of a hardship, in the face of this trial, he continued to seek God like he always did. It wasn't something new. It wasn't that he came and all of a sudden there's something difficult coming against him. There's something hard that is presented to him. So now I better go pray three times. And I better call it, no, it says in the Bible that this is something he had always done. And he continued to do so even in the face of this trial, this circumstance, or this situation. This is something he continues to do. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king! Did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within the 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The things stand fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah. Notice what they do. They begin to play the race card. Daniel, it's true, who doesn't belong here. Daniel, who's not one of us. Daniel, who doesn't fit in. Daniel, who's an outcast. Daniel, who came really as a slave. One of the exiles from Judah pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Verse 14. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. 
Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may, may your God whom you serve continually. The king knew that he served him continually. He, he saw Daniel's faithfulness was something that the king was aware of. Deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and slept, fled from him. I want you to notice something that this king has no relationship with God. He has no relationship with God. He's not, he's, not, he's not a godly man. He doesn't worship the God of Daniel. Listen to what he says. The, king, the God whom you serve, Daniel, may he deliver you. But this king saw something in Daniel's life. This king saw Daniel live in such a way that he said, there's something about your God. 19. Then at break... Of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in the tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Listen to that response. Dude just threw me in the lions then to die. O king, come down here. I got something for you to pet. <laughs> O king, live forever? My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, uh, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of the lions. Not only them, but their children and their wives. Hmm. Husbands, what you do will affect your family. Now listen to this. And before they reached the bottom of the den, before they even hit the ground, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. They were some hungry kitties. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Not my God, not the God I serve, but I've seen something about Daniel and his God. He's powerful. So that's the God we're gonna, that's the God we're gonna fear now. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall uh, be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heavens and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments we have together, that God, you would speak to us so clearly from this text, that God, we would walk out of here encouraged, we would walk out of here challenged, and we would walk out of here more radically in love with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.
Amen. I love how we can see Jesus throughout the whole entire Old Testament. Even right here in the story of Daniel, there's so much that we could glean from this. Uh, the interesting thing is that the first six chapters of Daniel, they deal with the history of what's taking place. They set up the story. They, they tell what's been going on for some time now. And then the next verses after this, they are all prophetic uh, pictures of the coming Messiah. That they literally begin to talk about Jesus in the Old Testament, the picture of the coming Messiah. But even right here in the story of Daniel in the lion's den, one of my favorite stories growing up, I remember the little book with the little puppet lion. Come on, somebody. Right? You stick your little finger and the page turns with the lion. It's right there. And you can just make it move and talk and eat the people that are getting thrown in. It's pretty cool. But right here in the text, we see some similarities that even how Daniel went in to a tomb, if you will, but he, he rises out untouched, unharmed. He rises out alive, and as he rises out alive, glory is brought to God. Jesus, his death, burial, and the resurrection, which we're going to be celebrating in just a few weeks, if not every day. We see that Jesus crucified, died, tomb, rose again, new life, and God is glorified. I love how you can see Jesus in the text. Here's the history of what's taking place. Daniel is a Hebrew. 66-something years earlier, about the age of 17, Daniel was taken hostage by Babylon. Babylon comes in and takes over uh, the, the, the nation of Israel and conquers them and takes all of these Hebrew children captive. And now they are slaves and they're serving. Now, about a year before what we're reading right here, the Persians and the Medes come in and they take out Babylon. And Babylon's gone. Taken out of the picture. But he keeps many of these, these, these slaves, these Hebrews, to serve in the kingdom. These are violent times. These weren't, these weren't like fun times. This isn't like a, a cute picture of how life is really good and Daniel gets caught and everything turns out. No, these are violent times. These are violent times. I mean, these are so violent that if you read back in Daniel, in the text, uh, we get the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You guys ever heard that one before? That's another good one, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, this is how violent the times are that all these kings want to establish themselves as gods. They want to be worshipped. They want to be served. And so they make these decrees and they make things happen so that they feel the worship. And in the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we see these, these three and they're not willing to bow and serve any other god. Right? And so then they're commanded to and they still don't do it. And they're commanded to and they still don't do it. So they heat up this furnace. They heat it up hotter than normal. And they throw them in, expecting them to burn. Crazy story, right? This is the times that Daniel's living in. These are violent times. What we must remember is that Daniel is not there by choice. Daniel is not living there because he chose to. He's not living there because this is, this is where I want to live. It's a really cool place. He is a slave. Even up until this time, he is their captive. Now, when we pick it up in Daniel chapter 6, there has been seven different kings since Daniel arrives on the scene. Some from Babylon, some from now the Persians and the Medes rising up. Seven kings, two different kingdoms, still a slave, but yet he remains steadfast in his faith and his trust in God. That, that, that's, that's crazy, right? At the age of 17, taken captive, now 60, that would put him at about the age of 83, when this story is being told. 
okay? Now that changes everything, right? Because when you heard this story, he was like young and buff like your pastor. <laughs> but now, I mean, he, I don't have anybody in here to compare him to. Probably look more like Gabe than me, all right? Dude's not young. He's old. About 83 years old, and, and, and we find him getting thrown in to this scene, into uh, this picture. Daniel's not young. He is old. But he's been faithfully serving God for 66 years. Faithfully serving God for 66 years. Now, something you need to know is that typically when another kingdom would come in and take over, such as the Persians and the Medes, they take over Babylon, it wasn't custom to keep all of the old rulers and say, hey, come rule with us. They would usually kill him that same day. So there's obviously favor on his life. Not only that, when we read through the text, we must assume that, that Daniel is probably one of the only governors and presidents ruling that is not of them because of the comment they make. He's not one of us. But yet the king now sees something on Daniel's life that is so amazing that he, before he gets thrown into the den, he begins to think, you know what, if anybody can rule this kingdom, this dude can. And the king actually even means to set it up that he would take over. Now put that in context of the fact that he is not there because he wants to. He is captive but yet he keeps his trust and his faith in God in a situation that is violent, in a situation that is brutal. Okay? This story to me, uh, it's a story about a life of faith. It's a story about a life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. I mean, it's probably safe to say that none of us have undergone what Daniel did. Right? I mean, it's pretty safe to say that. I mean, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody in here has gotten thrown in a den of lions. Right? At least, not unwillingly. He might have done something dumb when you were young, but right? he, he's thrown in there. When you read about guys getting thrown into furnaces and Daniel getting thrown into a lion's eye, I mean, Daniel was, was the man. I mean, he's interpreting dreams. There's writing on wall that he can read that nobody else can read. Right, just go back. It's six chapters of just absolute testimony. It's powerful. Daniel's the man, but he's 83 years old. Come on, your best days are ahead of you, people. Right? But it shows his faith and his trust in God. I want to just, I, I want to go back to the text real quick, and I just want to observe a couple things together if we could. Okay, because this story is probably different than maybe the way you've heard it. First thing I want to observe is this, as we look at this life of faith, we walk by faith, not by sight. No matter what our circumstance, no matter what our situation, we walk by faith, not by sight. No matter what we're dealing with, no matter what we're going through, no matter how hard of a time it is, we walk by faith, not by sight. Daniel, thrown in the lion's den, walking by faith, not by sight. First thing is this, when you look at a life of faith, your faith is seen in your faithfulness. Your faith is seen in your faithfulness. When we look at the story of Daniel, we see that 
Not only were his accusers so boggled by his life of faithfulness, that even the king, whom doesn't serve God at all, sees something so different about Daniel that he says, hey, the God that you serve continually because there's something different about you. He saved you. What was it? 66 years. Seven different kings. Two different kingdoms. But yet he stays faithful. He stays faithful faithful. There because he's a slave. There because he's captive. It reminds me of another story about a a young man named Joseph. Y'all heard that story before? Joseph, who gets sold into slavery, and he serves in Potiphar's house faithfully, and he too gets lied about, but yet his, his faithfulness is seen because of his faith in God. And so then he eventually, one day after he goes from Potiphar's house to the prison, eventually gets to the palace, and he gets put over the whole entire kingdom to rule. Your faith in God is seen in your faithfulness. What do I mean by that? It reminds me of an old, old saying that said, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Right? It's worth doing, it's worth doing well. That's why we're, that, that's why we're always looking to improve as a church. Because, hey, if we're going to come together on Sunday, it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Right? It's worth doing well. Because here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, people might not know what a Christian looks like, but they do know what character looks like. They may have no clue what a Christian's supposed to look like, but they do know what character looks like. They know what faithfulness looks like. They know what loyalty looks like. They know what honesty looks like. They know what trust looks like. And if all of a sudden they look at you, who is a Christian uh, or a believer, and they see all of those things happening in your life, eventually it's going to raise the question, man, what, 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 what is it about you? But see, if they don't see those elements in your life, are you with me? They saw something about Daniel that said, man, he's he's faithful. 66 years of faithfulness. So faithful was he that the king said, man, out of everybody in the whole entire kingdom, this slave, he's the one I want to be my predecessor. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. How about on your job? Are you faithful to your boss? How about if you're a business owner? Are you faithful to your clients? How about if you're married? Are you faithful to your spouse? How about if you have kids? Are you faithful to your kids? Every area. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. I've always had, some people think I'm a little bit like obsessive compulsive. I don't think so. I just think that if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it well. You know how long it took me to tie this bow this morning? And it still didn't get it right. And finally, I was like, I'm going to be late if I sit here and play this thing any longer. I almost went with the undone look, you know, just hang him because I was like, this thing ain't working out. But it's just, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And, and, and how much more if it's the church? I mean, we need to be faithful in every area. I have been. I, I think back in the, jo- the jobs that God has provided for me over the years. And one of my favorite jobs is I was a valet. Come on, anybody, anybody ever uh, park cars out there? It's so awesome because you get to drive cars you can't afford. Come on, somebody. 
And sometimes we'd have to go the detour route just to see how it drove, right? You know? And I valeted, but you know what? I wanted, I just, you know, I wasn't just going to show up and make money. I'm going I'm to work myself up. Worked there for five years. By year one and a half, I was running the whole entire valet. Why? Because I brown nose? No. I was just faithful. I actually showed up when I was scheduled. For some of you, that's like, I got to write that one down. <laughs> Show up when scheduled for work. I've committed to serve in an area of ministry at Canvas. Show up when scheduled. Faithful. Faithful. Some people, some people they get a little, I know, they, they get a little irritated with me at times, and I've improved. Okay, but like, I, and, I, and I try to extend grace, but my team knows this. There was a time when if something went wrong on a Sunday, they were like, <laughs> waiting to see what I would do. God's worked on me. I take care of it on Tuesday now, right? Why? Because I, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. Daniel was so faithful that his faith was seen. And it's so important as Christians that we understand that. Because people might not know what a Christian looks like, but they know what character looks like. And eventually that could be your testimony. Second thing I see here is your faith does not always equal fairness. Your faith does not always equal fairness. I mean, Daniel was so faithful, he was found without fault, he was found without blame, that even his accusers could not find anything. 120 people spying on him. I mean, let's just be honest. How many of you guys know that someone would find something wrong with you if there was 120 people looking for it? Right? Dude went 75 and a 70, you know, on his way to church, right? I mean, if one person spent a day with me, they'd probably find something wrong. 120. Without fault. This is how faithful he was. And so what they got to do is they got to set something up against him. And our initial thought is that's not fair. I mean, Daniel's been faithful for 66 years. He's served God. There's no fault. There's nothing wrong with him. He's like, he is perfect. It's not fair what happened to him. It's not fair. You ever found yourself in that position before? Served God. Served others. Served the church even. Then you got taken advantage of, you got wronged, you got manipulated. And then you walk away with that. That's not fair. It's not fair. Well, let, let me just let you know something. Your faith doesn't always equal fairness. And it doesn't. I mean, was it Joseph's fault that his dad gave him a coat of many colors? Was it Joseph's fault that all of his, I mean... Sometimes living a life for Jesus isn't fair. But I, I want to I ask this question. When did we get a mentality as a Christian, as a Christ follower, that we thought serving God meant everything equaled awesomeness? Now, don't get me wrong. Serving Jesus is amazing. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But there are times when it's not fair. It reminds me of two guys that, uh, their wives were having children. 
you know, and they go to the hospital, and they're in the waiting room, and, you know, they're kind of waiting around, and all of a sudden, the nurse comes out to the one guy and says, hey, you have a baby boy, and the other guy looks and said, that's not fair, I was here first. It's not fair. It's not fair. See, I don't know where we, where we got in our mentality as Christians that if I live pure, then then I deserve an awesome life. Like, like we need to be rewarded for doing the right thing. But see, I, I, I kind of have a fear that that's the way most of us as Christians think. So when something bad happens, it's like, God, this, I mean, come on, this doesn't seem right. I mean, what have I done? Well, here's what we do. We immediately look and say, wait, is there sin in my life? I mean, did I, did I offend somebody? Did I do something wrong? No. Sometimes a life of faith isn't fair. What does the Bible say in Matthew 5? It rains on the just and the unjust. It's the same storm, same rain. It rains on both. But somewhere, and I just, I feel, I just got to hit this just a little bit longer. Not too long, because I, I can see the time, don't worry. Some of you are like, that's not fair. See, somehow we, we think that if we read the Bible enough, if we pray enough, if we serve God enough, if we come to church enough, if we, if we live holy enough, if we live pure enough, if we do all of these things enough, then, then, then I deserve something. Then I, I should get something because that's fair. But Jesus actually tells a parable in the New Testament. And he goes out and he hires somebody and said, hey, will you work for such and such? And they said, yeah, we'll work for, let's just say it's 10 bucks. Sure, we'll work for 10 bucks. And so they get there 8 o'clock in the morning and they work. And they work hard. And, and, and he tells the paramount, says, hey, you know what? We need some more workers. So go out and hire some more workers and say, hey, will you work the uh, second half of the day for 10 bucks? Yeah, I'll work for 10 bucks. And he needs some more workers. Goes out, gets some more. Hey, will you work this last hour for 10 bucks? Yeah, I'll work for 10 bucks. And so they all get lined up at the end, and, and the parable goes on to say, and I'm paraphrasing it, but the parable goes on to say that they lined up, and all of a sudden the one that's working for an hour gets 10. So the next guy's thinking like, sweet, I'm going to get more. And then he comes, and he gets 10. And the guys in the back are like, man, we're going to get a lot. And they get 10. And then they're mad. Because wait a second, that's not fair. Why? They only worked an hour. Well, how have I wronged you? Did I not tell you I'd pay you 10 bucks for working all day? Sometimes a life of faith doesn't equal fairness. And as Christians, we can find ourselves in those positions. But here's what we got to remember. He's in control. He knows. And like one of my mentors always used to say, your reward will be in heaven. I hated that. It's awesome, but if I'm in heaven, everybody's getting rewarded. That's not fair. <laughs> I want my reward here where everybody can see it. You know? There's another thing I notice here is uh, your faith will bring you favor with God. Your faith will bring you favor with God. It may not always bring you favor with man. You might be treated unfairly, but rest assured at some point, your faith will bring you favor with God. But know this, that that favor might not happen on earth, 
Ultimately, that favor is going to happen when you get to spend eternity with him. And see, the thing, that's, that's what we need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, is that the life we're living right now, it's not all about me. It's not all about blessings. It's not all about having the perfect house and having the, the most amount of money and having the nicer car and, and getting all this stuff. That's not what life about. Are you with me? Sometimes it doesn't look like that at all. Sometimes you might struggle all through life, but come on, your reward really is in heaven. You get to spend eternity with him. See, some of, we don't want to hear that, though. We want to know how we can prosper and be abundant, and we want to have everything now. Remember the old bumper sticker? He who dies with the most toys wins. You ever seen that one? I, I saw one that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies, you know? <laughs> Just can't take it with you. But your faith in God will bring you favor with God. You still face things, you still face storms, you still face trials, you still face lion's dens. But your faith in God will, your faith will bring you favor with God. Notice this, that God had to send an angel to shut the mouth of the lions. So that's something that, that maybe you didn't see before. Listen, it wasn't just Daniel went in there and it was just like chill, it was cool. Listen to me, I honestly think that Daniel probably found a corner, a really dark corner, probably hid behind a rock and probably prayed really hard. I mean, if he was praying three times a day before the lion's den, come on somebody. The dude was praying. If he knew how to pray before, he surely knew how to pray when he was thrown in there. So I don't think he was just chilling out in the, in the open with the lions. He was probably tucked away praying, crying out to God, and God sent an angel to shut the mouth of the lions. Why did the angel have to come and shut the mouth of the lions? Because they were open, ready to eat him. But his faith brought him favor with God. This is a really good message. How do we know it was his faith? Hebrews eleven thirty three. That, that, that hall of faith says that through faith, shut the mouth of lions. Well, it wasn't just faith. No, it was faith in God. And that faith in God found favor, sent the angel, shut the mouth of lions. See, we need to learn when we're in times that don't make sense to continue to be steadfast in prayer, in our trust in him, in our faith in him, and watch and see him shut the, the mouth of some lions in our life. Maybe the accusation of some others. Maybe the lies of some people. Maybe some circumstances that didn't turn out the way you thought they would. Yeah. You ever been there before? Got to keep trusting in God. Lastly, my favorite part, this is what it's all about. Your life of faith will bring him fame. Your life of faith will bring him fame. But what about me? That's not fair. Your life of faith will bring him fame. Even though everything else might look like it's crumbling around you. Times might not be the best. You might be in situations like Daniel that you didn't really want to be in. But you stay faithful. 
even in the midst of unfairness. You stay faithful. 66 years, and finally a decree goes out. We're going to serve Daniel's God. Because your life of faith will bring him fame. Even in the midst of being thrown into the den of the lions. Now, I don't, know how, I don't know how Daniel played this whole thing out, but I know how I would play it out. If I was the one thrown into the den, and all of a sudden the dude that threw me in came, said, Daniel, are you okay? I would have just chilled for a little bit. Come on, be honest, people. I would, but then his response, O king, live forever, once again shows his faithfulness. O king, live forever? I don't know what Daniel's prayers were all night, but I know what mine would have been. God, if you get me out of this, I'm going to kill the man. <laughs> right? Because life isn't fair. So God, if you can just, if you get me out of this, man, I want to teach this dude a lesson. But because of Daniel's faith and trust in God, because of his response even to the king when the king came, his faith brought fame to his name. Your life of faith might not always be easy, might not always be fair, but if you continue, because people might not know what a Christian looks like, but they know what character looks like. And if you continue to walk faithfully, if you continue to trust, if you continue to put your hope in him, if you continue to put your confidence in him, eventually it might not do anything for you here on earth, but it's going to bring fame to his name. And people will worship him because of your life. People will serve him because of your faithfulness. People will serve him because you did what you know to do was right. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that your word is, is absolutely amazing. We thank you for the story of Daniel. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.